Ah, Thanksgiving. The time of year when people around the United States gather to celebrate a fairy tale about white colonists and maligned indigenous people unifying over a shared feast of gratitude. North Americans fed this delightful fabrication by binge eating crap, binge drinking alcohol, getting high in the garage while the rest of the family talk shit about the people getting high in the garage and stressing about doing nearly all of it. Because getting together with family for big holidays is stressful. There's the travel and the grocery shopping, the hours upon hours of cooking, which, if you get it wrong, ruins the day for everyone. And then there's the company. Even the most loving, well-adjusted families, they struggle during the holidays because hell is other people. And if you're not from the most loving, well-adjusted family, and let's get real, Xanax exists because most people aren't. You already know, the ninth circle of hell is forced time around obnoxious, inebriated, or mentally unstable family members. So it should come as no surprise that weird, often terrible, shit goes down around the holidays. Criminal activity is always higher on days off from work, especially when booze is involved. Reports of domestic abuse also tend to jump up on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Valentine's Day, when quarreling relatives feel forced by tradition to be together. But because of the sheer number of family members crammed together most Thanksgivings, that day seems to be especially violent. Take Thanksgiving 2009, when Florida man and father, Ayalis Clay Oliver, murdered his 40-year-old son Keith after an hours-long fight over simple household chores. Or the same holiday in 2013, when Port Matilda police had to be summoned to a family dispute over a game of trivial pursuit, when one player began threatening the rest of the family with a hatchet. Also, it turned out the hatchet doubled as a piece of drug paraphernalia. There's 2014, when former cop Eric J. Paul almost choked his ex-girlfriend to death after weeks of stalking her like a total creep. Kidnapped babies, stolen pets, mafia-style executions, anything and everything in true crime history has happened on Thanksgiving. Why mention these truly traumatizing pieces of holiday memorabilia? Because this year, many people aren't able to see their families for Thanksgiving as they'd like to, and we here at Hottest Hell would like to offer that as sad as we are not to hug our own grandmothers and fabulous gay uncles this year, maybe that's a good thing. So without further ado, here's Kimberly with a tale that will make you feel a little bit better about any time you're spending alone this holiday season. It's a long drive from Baton Rouge to Knoxville. 
The route leads you through the flat brooklands of Mississippi, cuts across the middle of Alabama, skates the very upper corner of Georgia, then spits you into eastern Tennessee, an area which frequently tops the list of best places to live in the USA. Knoxville's a unique combination of suburban sprawl, country values, and Civil War history. A quieter city than its more famous sibling, Nashville, and a nice place to raise a family. The journey takes about nine hours one way, eight if you're driving with a lead foot. Joel Michael Guy Jr., age 28, made the drive alone. It was Thanksgiving 2016, and he was excited to see his three half-sisters and their kids for the holidays. His parents, eh, not so much. Things had been tense between them the last several months. Not to the point that he'd miss Thanksgiving, hello, free pie, but enough that Joel felt his pulse quicken when he thought of his father's disapproving voice. Dinner, thankfully, went off without a hitch. No big arguments, no yelling. Joel's half-sister Michelle had brought along her boyfriend and kids, an audience which helped keep everyone on their best behavior. After the meal, Joel Jr. made his way to the guest bedroom to sleep off his food baby while the sisters cleaned up and headed back to their individual homes around Tennessee. Joel even stuck around the next day, helping his parents move the family boat to the new home they'd purchased as a retirement nest just a few towns over. The sisters received no unhappy texts from their brother. No calls from mom reporting the latest family fight. It was by all accounts, a pretty placid Thanksgiving. But then Lisa didn't show up for work after the holiday weekend. She didn't call out sick, either, something which worried her co-workers at Jacobs Engineering in nearby Oak Ridge. Lisa would never do something like that. Her boss contacted police for a welfare check on the 55-year-old employee. Officer Stephen Ballard made his way onto Golden View Lane, where the Guy family had just had their big family gathering on November 28th. He rang the doorbell twice, but no one answered. He noted two cars in the driveway and a light on inside, but saw nothing amiss and left. Ballard returned a few hours later with Detective Jeremy McCord to do a more complete inspection. And that's when the pair noticed the smell. Detective McCord describes it as the smell of decomposing bodies and heat. A weird smell, like a chemical, cooking. Something very like death, but unlike anything he'd personally encountered before. The pair called for backup, then entered the guy residence through the garage. What they found once inside was a nightmare. It was hot. Someone had turned the thermostat on high and left multiple space heaters running with the windows shut. A pot was on the lit stove, several other containers nearby. All were filled with pieces of Lisa Guy, her head simmering in the stockpot. Upstairs, a pair of severed human hands were abandoned on the floor, and in the bathroom, blue plastic bins filled with a noxious broth of corrosive chemicals held two torsos. Blood trailed around everywhere. Someone had brutally killed Lisa and a guy senior. 
The killer had then tried to dissolve the victims in a hell broth of chemicals, including liquid fire, sewer cleaner, muriatic acid, rubbing alcohol, and hydrogen peroxide. Scenes like this are very rare, Detective McCord said after the shocking discovery. They're in the one percentile of homicides in the United States. But where was Joel Jr.? And what had actually happened? Here's what we know for certain. Lisa and Guy Sr. had been the sole supporters of their son for the last decade. He'd been struggling his way through college, but Joel Jr. was not a natural-born student. He'd spent one semester at George Washington University before dropping out, transferring to Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, where, as of Thanksgiving 2016, he claimed he was still chipping away at a degree in plastic surgery. Now approaching 30, he was still without a diploma and had never held a job. And the arrangement had grown stressful on parents getting ready to retire the following year. Mom and Dad were justifiably weary of supporting their able-bodied son, especially as his siblings finished school, worked, started their own families. But the Guy family parents also had a habit of articulating their financial fatigue through passive-aggressive comments and shaming, a communication style notorious for triggering aggression and violence in young men. The pair had reportedly shared their plan to cut Junior off with extended family in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. The goal was to break the news after the big holiday meal was done. Whether they actually got to do so or not before they were murdered is unknown. Law enforcement found Joel Jr.'s laptop and backpack at the house when they discovered the bodies. Evidence no skilled criminal would ever leave behind. And so initially, they wondered if Joel Jr. was a victim as well, perhaps carried off by whatever maniac had been slow cooking his mother's head on the stove. But then they discovered Joel Jr.'s Sunday evening check-in at LSU's Student Health Center back in Baton Rouge, where he was treated for severe cuts on both hands. He told doctors at the time that they were from a tumble down the stairs carrying breakables. One of Joel's sisters also mentioned to police seeing blue plastic bins, like the ones which had held the severed torsos, in the back seat of her brother's car on Thanksgiving Day. And so, Joel Michael Guy Jr. was arrested for the first-degree murder of his own parents on Tuesday, November 29th, in the parking lot of his Louisiana apartment complex. He had never intended to be there or to get caught. He'd had what seemed like a perfect plan. First, he'd waited to be alone in the house with his father while Lisa did some weekend grocery shopping. Joel Jr. attacked Joel Sr. in the upstairs bedroom, stabbing him a horrific 40-plus times during the altercation. What the son had not anticipated was the ferocity with which his 61-year-old father fought back, resulting in the serious wounds to his hands. They were bad enough that Joel Jr. worried he might lose his thumb entirely, but not so severe that he couldn't exterminate his mother with approximately 31 stab wounds when she returned home. Joel Jr. managed to butcher his parents into pieces he could then submerge in chemicals. 
But after that grisly and literally bone-breaking work, his injuries needed tending before he could complete the job of body disposal and evidence cleanup. But because he didn't have a job, he didn't have health insurance. So Junior felt motivated to make the eight-hour drive from Knoxville back to Baton Rouge, where he could receive discounted medical care as a student. The plan had been to get stitched back up, let the bodies get soft in the chemical soup while he did so, then head back to his parents' house to finish disposing of the bodies and then burn the house down. But by the time he made it back to Knoxville, police had already discovered the scene and swarmed the property, driving the suspect to turn tail and flee. Guy Jr. was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of abusing a corpse, and two counts of felony murder. Prosecutors submitted a slew of evidence against Guy Jr., all revealing the murder to be very premeditated and unnecessarily gruesome. One of the key pieces was a notebook belonging to their lone suspect, which included a handwritten pre-murder to-do list. It included notes like, Get carving knives. Get sledgehammer and crush bones. And of course, get bleach, comma, denature proteins. One page also included the details of a half-million-dollar insurance plan taken out by the Guy family parents, naming their son as the beneficiary. Next to this, in Guy Jr.'s own handwriting, were the words, He's not alive to claim her half, and then there's a little arrow bringing the reader to another phrase, All mine. Yes, really, he, he wrote this down. There were also multiple surveillance tapes of Joel Jr. buying the supplies needed to dissolve human flesh at locations like Ace Hardware, Home Depot, and Walmart, as well as a meat grinder the police had retrieved from the trunk of Guy Jr.'s car at the time of the arrest. This was a pure act of evil, Judge Sword said during the prisoner's sentencing, which took place in October 2020. This was the most extreme form of abuse of a corpse I've seen in 25 years, and hopefully it's the most severe I see in my entire career, however long that lasts, he said. A recent update to this case turned up just this week, November 19th, 2020, when the now-convicted Guy Jr. submitted a handwritten letter to the court handling his sentencing. In it, Guy Jr. details his desire to gouge a fellow inmate's eyes out with his bare hands. <clears throat> I logically believe that this gentleman deserves to be blind. I don't know what to do. I shouldn't be allowed access to another person while they're unconscious, he wrote. The letter was submitted as evidence that Jr. should be housed in solitary confinement away from general population. A filing accompanying the letter calls it an example of the inmate's, quote, manipulative and devious behavior, end quote. Guy Jr. is currently serving consecutive life sentences for his crimes. His request to be granted the death penalty was rejected by the court, which feels he deserves to live out the rest of his days deep within a federal prison. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. 